Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. All right, everybody, welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen, and I am joined today by uh, two re- good friends, lots of fun. Uh, Father Jeff Lorig, Midtown Omaha. How you doing? I'm doing well, Jim. How are you? Nice to see you and good. listen to I, you. Likewise, likewise. And Calvin Mueller. Calvin, all the way in Norfolk, Nebraska. Calvin, how are you? Very well. Thank you, Jim. Father Jeff, good to see you. Nice to see you. All right. So Calvin, you're kind of like a guest, regular guest, drop in neighborly sort of thing. We're glad to have you is what I'm trying to say. Um, Calvin, remind everybody, this is not your first time uh, on the Equip cast, but remind everybody, who are you again? What do you, what do you do here? Great. I get to work for the Archdiocese as the Rural Coordinator for Parish Evangelization. I've been in that role since 2018. Um, moved, uh, I grew up in Crofton, moved out to Colorado after I graduated from the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, served as a focused missionary out there for five years, felt the Lord call uh, myself, my family back here to serve in the Archdiocese, and it's been an adventure uh, for the last two and a half years. And you have, you have little ones at home. T- tell us a little bit about the family. Your lovely wife, yes. right? Shelby is from, she's also native of the Archdiocese, West Point. Yes. Shelby is from West Point and I grew up in Crofton and uh, we have four little ones. So our oldest well, would be six at the moment. Uh, next is four. Uh, so Josie's six. Gemma is four. Oliver is two and Bosco is only several months old. So uh, we got a, a nice busy family. Nice. That sounds awesome. Okay. So I, we've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. I think we, we've wanted to, to do this uh, at really ever since the archbishop announced the big goal, right? That every parish would become a missional community in six years. Uh, that was back in October of 2020 implicit in a goal that every parish would become a missional community is that we're, we're not yet, or that there is something more about this call to be a missional community that many of us have to realize. We want to talk a little bit today about like, okay, just a framework of like, where are we at? We meaning our, our parish communities. There are four different types of parishes. This can be uh, not, this is not a canon law thing, but there are four different types of parishes that could illustrate kind of the various yeah, stages growth cycle, life cycle, if you will, of parishes. We want to talk about those as a way to kind of give us a framework of the challenges and opportunities that we have in that common journey and destination to try and be uh, missional communities. We're big fans of the work of uh, Tim Glemkowski. Tim is the, the one who first suggested this, uh, this mental model or this motif. We found it really helpful. And so we just want to talk a little bit about it today give everybody, yeah, kind of a framework. So Calvin, why don't you start us out? Uh, if you would just maybe list off the four different types and then get us started with the first one. 
Great. Yeah. Tim uh, is just a, a great contributor to the church and just um, giving people new perspectives uh, to look at how the Holy Spirit is is wor- at work um, in churches throughout the United States. And, and he uh, first had written about this in an article and then expanded it upon it in a book called Made for Mission, um, where he, he just describes parishes in four ways as dying, declining, swelling and growing. And, and as you mentioned, you know, Jim, the our Archbishop, you know, imploring us to, um, to you know, to just reevaluate uh, uh, who we are as parishes and, and calling us to rediscover what it means to missional communities. You know, that's not unique to our diocese. You just across the country, we're having to reevaluate and, and rediscover, you know, what it means to be apostolic, what it what it means to be you know, the, the missional communities that Christ is calling us to be. I'll see you across the country and raise you across the world. I mean, this is what, from my view, this is what the universal church is being called to. I mean, John Paul II, Benedict XVI, Pope Francis, the, the call of the new evangelization is really a call to rediscover our missional identity. Now, for sure, I don't want to take anything away from the underground church in China and other places um, that have seemingly never lost their missional identity. But for many of us in the West, Europe, the United States, South America, other places that, man, it, 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 is, a, it is a challenge to learn now how to re-articulate the gospel in a modern era. And it's different, right, than the first evangelization. So I think it's a worldwide, I mean, so if anybody's like, you know, if any of this is challenging, you are so not the only one. This is a, a global phenomenon for the church, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little different if you're if you're listening here in the underground church in China or you know some different African communities. But for the most part, this is a this is a universal challenge the church is uh, learning how to embrace. I think the the list is interesting when it says uh, dying, declining, swelling, and growing. I mean, there was a time uh, when these these parishes launched where they experienced tremendous, amazing growth, Mm -hmm. uh, really with the only strategy of just build the church and they will come. Catholic church is different than an evangelical church where, you know, a non-denominational church can kind of just start from scratch and launch it and see a lot of growth. You know, a lot of these, you know, mega churches really started in garages uh, mm-hmm. or, or in homes, you know, like Saddleback Church, Rick Warren's church out there, like literally started in a home with a small group of people and then had a little vision. And then the next thing you know, you know, they're one of the fastest growing churches in, in California, if, if not the United States. I'm, I'm not totally sure where they're at this point. But, you know, when I think about like the first level of the church that he describes is dying and then it's declining and then it's swelling and it's growing like, well, there was actually like a beautiful time of growth and prosperity, uh, not so much financially, but just like of of families growing and and growing in love uh, with the gospel. Mm. Um, So I I, want to make sure that we acknowledge like there was a culture of of people wanting to make sure that the church was a part of their lives and part of their neighborhoods. And I mean, I'm sitting in a church right here at St. Joan of Arc where it was literally planted in the middle of, of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just grew because, because the strategy was let's celebrate mass <laughs> yeah. here. That, that's a great point, father. Like we're coming in halfway through the story that there was a, there was a time where, yeah, there was like our, our many of our parish communities were in their infancy. Um, and maybe they weren't, you know, maybe they weren't celebrating mass in a home. Although sometimes when you think about some of the frontier, you know, some of the frontier clergy, some of our great grandparents, 
you know, uh, especially in some of the Northeast parts of the, uh, the, the state and, and the diocese where I literally, they were, you know, going around on horseback, celebrating mass in cabins. Um, but that's, we're, we're coming in very particularly, uh, I don't want to say late, but we're, we're, we're not at the start of the story. And there's a lot of beautiful stuff that happened there. And right. And really the church was picked up from Europe and many other places and planted right here in the United States, or that it was, it was picked up from East Omaha over here in, into, into middle of Omaha and the suburbs yeah. or back, back in the day, you know, the church is really established whether they had a parish or not. And it is probably worth, so without turning this into a, a boring history lesson, <laughs> most of this was like, it was the result of immigration where, right, German, Irish, uh, Czech, whatever, like, you know, our ancestors settling in Northeast Nebraska, the biggest pastoral problem is, oh my goodness, how do we take care of all of the people who want the sacraments? Which which I, I would say right now, I give a couple of shout outs to the underground church in China, but by analogy, it's not the same thing, but boy, there are a lot of places in the Archdiocese of Omaha where the biggest pastoral problem is, my goodness, how can we possibly take care of all the people? And I'm speaking about a lot of our Spanish-speaking uh, communities that uh, beautifully right, have come in and you know places South Omaha, where I'm from, that were, it used to be the home of, of you know, Irish and uh, German and Czech and Polish immigrants. Um, and now it's, it's also home, many, you know, first, second generation immigrants. Um, they're just from uh, Spanish speaking countries. The, the church is growing and thriving and some of the largest parishes in the state uh, are in South Omaha. Right. And, and mostly it's not because of the parish and any strategy they've put together. It's because the church the body of Christ, believers in Jesus and his kingdom are there and they're celebrating and they just need a place to go. But what we're entering into now in this post-Christian era and uh, this really apostolic era is like these current parishes that we have, unless you can rely on immigration, like our parishes used to, and, and they mm -hmm. currently do in, uh, for, the, for our Hispanic brothers and sisters, um, really have to kind of invent yourself, reinvent yourself. Like, okay, how are we going to not just be a parish that offers sacraments, but how are we going to be a church that makes disciples and, and goes out and becomes that missional church. Um, but right now we're really kind of in this place of like, we're in a transition and that transition hurts. And um, mm -hmm. so that's where like, you know, Calvin describing these picking up on, on what it means. What does it mean to be dying and declining? Those seem like the mm -hmm. same thing. Are, are they different Calvin or? Yeah, I will, I, I will. First, I just love everything that you guys are saying, and I think we're, we'll get into the specifics of those those definitions. But uh, you guys are saying way too many good things for, for us not to just stay there for a little bit, because I think, yeah, we're describing dying, declining, swelling, and growing. Three of those have kind of a negative connotation to them. And I would just say... Um, so it's so important to acknowledge exactly what you guys are saying that um, that we're even able to have this conversations because saints have came before us and and discovered mm -hmm. for that time um, how to preach the gospel 
and preach it with clarity and, and conviction for the needs of that day and age. And I think that's just where we find ourselves right now. You know, the great task of the church in every age, in every age is to preach and live the gospel with clarity and conviction. And, and we just find ourselves in unique circumstances now uh, that look a lot different than it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and, and certainly a hundred years ago when a lot mm-hmm. of our parishes were founded. And so uh, we can continue on as business as usual, um, but we, we need to acknowledge the current circumstances we find ourselves in. Um, and if we do, don't do so, we risk not being able to, to share the gospel message and live the gospel message with the, the clarity and conviction that I think Christ is calling us to. And, and I, I just want to share a, a, a quick quote. It comes from, I think, a pretty prophetic book for our time. He um, uh, from Christendom to Apostolic Mission, as you were kind of referencing there, Father Jeff, he, he just shares, you know, the church which is though possessing an ancient tradition and an unchanging faith is still the youngest and freshest institution on earth by virtue of the ever new presence of the Holy spirit within her. And, and I, I love that, you know, that play wow. on, wait, can you repeat that last line again? Like that's, that's good. Yeah. Just, uh, is this still the youngest and freshest institution on earth by virtue of the ever new presence of the Holy spirit within her? Um, and, and he goes on to say, we should respond to such a novel situation that we're in with new forms of life and missionary strategy to capture the contemporary age with her perennial truth. It is what the church has always done in the measure of the need of the day. It's probably worth repeating again, but it's just this play on <laughs> yeah. ever ancient, ever new. We, we have an opportunity right now to respond to the grace available to us that's been given us to us by the Holy Spirit to have the appropriate strategy, the, the per- appropriate methodology, the appropriate conviction for this day and age. However, we can't have an openness to that grace if we don't acknowledge, you know, our current circumstances right now as a parish, as an institution. And so that, that's the hope of, of diving into these, these definitions yeah. and, and these categories, just so we can acknowledge that and then, and then be radically open to the, the fresh and new guidance of the Holy Spirit that is always present to us. Calvin, I love that because it's, I mean, we're not fatalistic. This isn't, you know, a, a doomsday. The irony is it's only because of our faith and our conviction that Jesus is still alive, that the spirit is still at work, uh, that, that the body of Christ still has a mission here and a, and a vibrancy and a, and a relevancy. It's only because of that conviction and with that conviction that we can actually courageously and honestly look and say, okay, where are we at right now? You know, where is our little faith community at? You know, are we, are we dying, declining, swelling, except, you know, like it, it's only when you believe that the Lord is still alive, that the church still has a commission and a mission and a relevancy, you know, like, yeah, when you, when you believe that, then you can look at those things and begin to assess and say, okay, where are we at? What are the, the dangers, opportunities and stuff that present themselves to us? So, yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, it really is. It, we're hoping this is this conversation is really an expression of faith and opens us up again anew to the the grace of pastoral conversion. An honest conversation about where we're at is designed to help us receive the grace of pastoral conversion so that we can again kind of shine forth that light. 
Great. So as I dive into these uh, into these different definitions, uh, looking forward to, to hearing your guys' perspectives and, and seeing what you know maybe some of the dangers are and the opportunities to um, you know to describing the parishes in these ways. But before I dive into that, I just want to share a quick story that I think help I- illustrate just where um, a lot of our thinking is uh, around these ideas and what the mission of the church is. A pastor recently gathered uh, a handful uh, of individuals together from a few parish councils surrounding his area. And he just posed the question. He just goes, you know, what makes our parish unique? And, and what gets you excited about like the, the, the things that are happening at our parish. And you just ask him to dream about it a little bit, write some stuff down. And the responses he got were like, Oh, we have an incredible bazaar. We do the, the fish fry here. And we do like, they kind of listed some things out and he just goes, Oh, beautiful. Thank you. It's incredible stuff. Um, I, I want to peel back the curtain a little bit. And he just kind of uh, gave a, a, a deep and beautiful explanation of like what it means to be a disciple of Christ and, and the mission of the church and the call to make disciples. And, and he presented, you know, some things from Pope Francis and this call for missionary disciples um, and people who can, can proclaim the good news and witness to it. And he just, and so he explains this and then he asks the question back to the the group and he goes, um, what I just described there and what you shared is most important to us. Um, do you see where there is a crossover and how those things actually transfer over to helping us to make missionary disciples? And he just said, there's like an audible gasp, you know, like, oh, wait, all the things that we clung to and saw as most important, are they really helpful and helping us accomplish the most important thing. And he just said, you know, there's this moment where this mindset shift had to take place where it says, okay, we can acknowledge that we're not living up to our potential as a parish community um, and that we need to have some mental shifts in order to become the community that Christ is calling us to be. And, And so when that first, uh, you know, definition of a dying parish. It, it's simply this, you know, it's, it's a parish that is essentially on its last leg. Okay. This might be a parish where at one point there was a surge of Catholics. Um, so this could be a, a community in Omaha or, or maybe a, a small town in Nebraska. It's like it was founded by Catholics. So they built a church, they got the money together to build it, um, or, or a community in, in Omaha, um, that had a, a large Catholic population. And, um, but slowly those people left or moved away. Um, and they weren't replaced by people who identified as Catholics or in a small town, just the population slowly drifted away. And so it, it is slowly over time, just continued and continued and continued to lose members. Um, and, and it's, it's just kind of hanging on by its last thread. And you would just say that it's an, it's at a place where revitalization, you know, is almost impossible because you know, there's not um, money there to keep the, the building open. And there isn't maybe a, a, an excitement or an enthusiasm around um, the mission or what is taking place at the parish that is giving it uh, life. So I, I don't know, does that kind of describe for you guys, this would be like considered a dying parish mm-hmm. that that's just on its last leg. You kind of hinted at this, but the reasons a parish might be dying aren't necessarily, and in fact, I, I would say are rarely like, you know, like a, the fault of the previous pastor right? Or the fault of the community. Oftentimes it's demographics. You know, I mean, if we want to blame something, let's, let's blame, blame mechanized farming (laughs) or, you know, or like shifts in population, 
um, other th- yeah, other things that happened. It's difficult. It's yeah, just because a parish is dying doesn't mean that it's you know that somebody did a bad job or that one decision. I mean, not only do we have extreme demographic shifts happening in certain parts of you know the the country, but then we have an extreme culture shift happening that every everyone's experiencing. Um, and especially when those two things conspire together, it can make make it very hard for uh, certain parish communities uh, to remain viable. The difference between a dying church and a declining church. I mean, to me, I think you described a declining church. So I, and obviously, there's going to be some distinctions. So when I think of dying, I think of death rattle. You know, <laughs> it's, it's it has been described in in some. Um, organizational cycles and different books out there for the corporate world. Um, dying is uh, another way to maybe put it. It's just on, they're on, it's on life support. Um, mm. And as you d- describe it, you know, I think of some, some, maybe some red flags or so, well, what, what are the signs of a dying church? Like if it's really dying, like death rattle, you can hear all that in the lungs um, because, because declining is like, there's, there's still opportunity for, for something to grow. There's still something, I mean, and maybe I'm jumping ahead, but like death rattles, like the only strategy and maybe it's just my strategic brain is like, well, okay, we're dying. What's, what are the options for us in front of us? And and for me, it's just like, we just have to start over. Like if it's really dying, something needs to be probably just needs to die and needs to come have some sort of like a relaunch or something like that. But a a sign of a, a dying parish would be like, not only do they see a decline in attendance and all that stuff, um, but like there's an unwillingness to change and an absolute unwillingness to change. And, uh, and so th- then it's really dying. There's not much you can do. Uh, you can't bring it back to life. So you're, you're making a distinction like a, a parish can be hurting, but you're saying when there's no desire for renewal, that's when it's over. Yeah, when you're dying, you're on. You're you're probably not going to come back to life. So I want to make sure that like people don't just automatically think their parish is dying. <laughs> I mean, if there's somebody listening to this and you're in that parish, your parish isn't dying because you have hope that it can come back to life. That 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 some things need to change, and mm. and that's all you need, right? The Holy Spirit breathing new life into one person who can have some influence with another person who can have some influence maybe with their pastor. Mm. Uh, I mean, that the church is, is where wherever two or three people are gathered together. Now, obviously a parish and a church, that's not the same parish is just a canonical term for a boundary, you know, mm-hmm. a, a massive land. But uh, so, I, I mean, again, the, the other thing maybe not to get depressed about is like, so maybe your parish is, is dying. Um, but the church isn't as long as you have this willingness to change some of your methods, change the way that you pray, maybe, um, change the way you interact with other people, uh, change the way you do your fish fries, <laughs> you know, like maybe we could pr- say a prayer before you start turning on the fryer, you know, if there's a willingness to change. Uh, so th- that's the distinction I, w- I would want to make just like dying means like you're terminal. Yeah, Father. So how about how about I'll dive into the definition of declining and then okay, we can kind good. of compare the two. But because I think you bring up some really great points and and I wanted to make sure that, you know, I stated when it talking about dying that revitalization becomes difficult 
if not impossible, but again, <laughs> <Right>. not impossible. <laughs> and, and I would say we as Christians, if we're always going to observe, you know, the, uh, the, the stature of the church and God's kingdom from an outward faculties, you know, and how things look from the outside, we're always going to be the underdogs. And so it's like, we can acknowledge, as you were saying there, like, the church exists in individuals. We are the church. And so every, even a dying parish, right, has has the potential, right, for saints to be brought up in it. And, and there's always a potential for a saint to enter into a room um, and and live as, as a person of Christ, right? And yeah, so, and so we can acknowledge that. Yeah, and be leavened to the people around it. Absolutely. I think we're talking about from an institutional standpoint, and um, I think it's one of those things for a dying church is like, okay, if the resources we're collaborating with are on and, and using to, um, to, to make our parish more viable, and that is, is, is essentially dying, um, it would be better to, to join with another parish and to pool resources and pool things together. Um, as the, as Jim said, it's a possibility that demographics have shifted so drastically that it, it makes more sense for us to be working in unison. Um, with the parishes close around us in order to, to potentially breed new life into um, what is happening in that area. Does that kind of make sense? Yes. Very much. And I know you want to jump into this other other definition, but I was just going to comment, like, this isn't just a Catholic thing. Yeah. Like when, when I listen to the uh, mm-hmm. uh, podcasts from the evangelicals and, and mainline Protestants, uh, particularly in the, in the podcast called the, Un- the Unstuck Group or the Unstuck Church, mergers is it's a big part of their conversation right now because they find like one church might just be growing and and the and and then one down the street isn't so they actually pull together and say like the mission is the same what if we you know we've got space you've got people let's see if we can do this together i I know it just something kind of triggered uh something you said there where i just like you know this isn't just a catholic thing like um, pulling together uh, the uh, in one mission and and not like saying, well, we need to preserve our church and we need to preserve our parish. Uh, actually, partnering with somebody else is is a has been a strategy that the uh, uh, the evangelicals have been using quite a bit recently and having lots of conversations about. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that's one of the dangers that if a parish is dying, to lose sight of the opportunities that do remain. The opportunities to be a blessing in facilities uh, for parishes. I mean, again, I think particularly the South Omaha area, where uh, the Anglo communities seem to be dying away, and the Hispanic communities are growing by leaps and bounds. Um, and 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 it's like, no, your parish isn't dying; it's just transitioning. And, and so, I think there's a there's a danger for parishes, um, even if they really are dying, to one to miss. You can always preach the gospel, and you talked about raising up saints, Calvin. But you, you can always preach the gospel um, if you are in a parish that has, you know, five times the number of funerals to baptisms because you haven't had a baptism in in five years. It, it is a work of mercy to preach the gospel and to bury the dead, like you know. To I mean, I just think think about all the opportunities that are there. Uh, and again, sometimes sometimes these parishes have facilities and and resources that can be blessings to neighboring parishes. And it's a danger to imagine that just because our particular parish or our institution is passing away, that we have nothing to offer as though the gospel is not valid as though anyway, I, I think I think that's a I think that's a real trap. 
Because ultimately, just like we're, we're trying to save souls, not institutions. Um, and I, I think that's, I think that's sometimes the trap. It's understandable why we equate uh, our buildings uh, and our places of worship with our communities of faith. But when it really comes down to it, it's not the same thing. It is, it's the people of God and not simply the building. So anyway, what are, Calvin, what are the distinctions between a dying and a declining? Yeah, so a, a declining parish, I, w- I would just describe as this as being the majority of parishes throughout the United States. Um, so, so that they might be functioning under a, a veneer of, of health or um, might even have a lot of activity going on. Um, but if you scratch below the surface a little bit, um, when it comes to, like we stated earlier, you know, being able to preach and live the gospel and build up disciples you know, with clarity and conviction, um, there isn't a, an experience um, or, or, or uh, a robust uh, conviction that that needs to be in the fir- first and foremost for our parishes or for, for our parishes. And I would say, so it it might look like this, right? We have the same um, youth ministry program um, a youth ministry program for the last 30 years, right? Or the activities that are taking place in our parish um, are are not bringing in either new members or new disciples. If you looked mm-hmm. at our RCIA program, you know, how many people are getting baptized at the um, at the Easter vigil? Um, you know, if, the, if these things just kind of remain stagnant, you know, the same number, the same amount that has um, been given, um, you know, 30 years ago is about what our budget is now. I would say, so it just kind of lives mm-hmm. under this veneer of health, but in all reality, it is not making disciples as we would believe Christ is calling us to. So you would say a a declining parish can be objectively verified that mass attendance is either flatlining or declining number of baptisms, weddings, all all those things are stagnant to decreasing if, uh, if you're in a declining parish which you said that's the majority of the parish of the United States. I, I, I think, Father, you're, you're the head of pastoral planning here for the Archdiocese. I've seen a fair number of the graphs. Is that an accurate assessment of where uh, most of our parishes are at? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you're looking at, I would say financially, though, so when we talk about a declining parish, at least, and, and what the books I've read about it, like, not only attendance is declining, but also finances are declining. Mm-hmm. Um, we see attendance across the board uh, here in the Archdiocese of Oma. Archdiocese of Oma has declined significantly. There might be one or two parishes where there's either either been some maintaining or some growth, and most of that's because of. of uh, Demographics, so St. Columkill and so you're getting into the swelling. You're getting into the swelling. Oh crap! Just, sorry. <laughs> slow down. Slow down. Okay. Anyway, you're great. You're great. Keep going. He wanted but me most, to just he most yes most of yeah. but what I will say though is like even so when there's a declining attendance at mass, finances seem to hold pretty steady, and I'm not sure why that is. Like I we am. just for now, it's the baby boomers. It's the baby boomers. They are keeping things around for sure. I mean, I guess we did, we did take a, when I was doing pastor planning, I was looking at Sunday collections over a course of five years and that would kind of help me to, to see some things. Yeah. And so I would say like, yes, they usually go together, but I can also say there's some exceptions. Um, mm-hmm. you see like, like mass attendance, is, mass attendance has gone down significantly and, and, Let's. I'm going to say Mass uh, St. Thomas More, which is where I'm pastor. So I'll just own that one. 
Sunday collections have gone down, but they've been able to um, stay in a place that's somewhat healthy. I would, I would say, um, and there's been some large uh, estate gifts. But again, there's exceptions to the rule, but I, I know what you're saying. There's some other things I would maybe describe as a, a declining parish as well. Yeah, please add on. I, yeah, what does it I wanted to like? keep it brief just to open it up, but yeah, I'd love to hear what you're thinking. So we talked about like objectively, you can see attendance and finances, but I, I think when, when methods become more important than the mission, mm-hmm. or, or maybe when the mission becomes a little stale or people sort of forgot it, like there's a mission statement in the back of our church here at St. Joan of Arc and nobody knew it was there. And not only did we just have it hanging on a wall and <laughs> nobody knew it was back there, but nobody knows what it is internally yeah, as well. No, I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> when, when we get so into preserving a thing, right? Like a festival or a bazaar or a craft fair or a spaghetti dinner or w- whatever. And we're so into doing it. And, and people are like, well, why do we do this? Why do we do this thing? And if the answer is only, well, I mean, because we can't make the budget if we don't raise money. It's like, uh-oh, that's like, that's a sure sign that if, you know, if our only reason for doing something is to pay bills, or if we can't, even worse, if we can't even remember why we're doing this thing, that's a bad sign. Yeah. A few other things would be like uh, when you begin to notice that the strong leaders and visionaries have left the church you know, the really mm. talented people, like there's just uh people don't really want to be a part of something that's declining. Why, why would yeah. I want to keep um, giving to a sinking ship? Well, when and it's it, the same people doing everything. Right. And, and there's probably lots of doers and, and like people who are task, good task people. There's lots of those in the parish, but having, taking the talents and strengths of people who have big vision and, and dreams for, for the parish, they often will go to places where they'll be heard. The other thing is when you see a declining parish, uh, there's a power shift between the pastor and, and the lay, lay people. Uh, mm. You also see this power struggle going on where um, when there's not great vision and, and really the vision is just self-preservation, when the pastor doesn't provide the strength or not just pastor, but the even the other leaders provide that strength that that vision offers. There's just a, there can be kind of a uh, a battle for who's in charge of things, and, and there's turf wars, there's silos that happen. Um, there's you can, again, that's a little bit harder to to uh, measure, but if you kind of mm-hmm. if you notice some of those things where the but you can feel it, right? Yeah, yeah. You, it's never, you can't graph it, but you can feel it when there's a desperation for leaders and when people aren't on the same page. And yeah. turf wars and don't don't yeah. So oftentimes you'll you'll see when, when lay people take over, and there's nothing wrong with the lay people, but when lay people try to be clerics and they try to run the parish, then that that's usually a pretty good sign that there's they're in decline. And it's not because of the lay people, it's it's a result of the, the decline. So when things start to go downhill, people say, Well, let me try to figure this thing out. And then and then the pastor comes in and just like, Well, what do you want me to do then? <laughs> uh, you know. I think that's hard for a lot of pastors because they they come into a declining parish and it's been declining for many years. And the lay people, good, well-intentioned people have like, they took control a while ago because at some point they just, well, if, if we got all these pastors, they come in and out of the door, we're the ones who stay here. So who's really running this place? It's us. So when then a pastor does come in and wants to move things forward, it, it can be very it's a very difficult transition. I, I mm-hmm. do think we're seeing that in a lot of parishes where like, don't you tell us what to do, Father. You're just going to be gone here in five years anyway. So um, and we need to take care of our own parish. We're declining and, and you're, 
So anyway, that's, I don't know if that's helpful at all. Well, I was going to ask, I get a, we're talking about what it looks like, what it feels like, but I think the real question is like, okay, so what are the dangers of this kind of, for this type of parish? You know, if your community, and that's probably the vast majority of people listening, experience at least at some level, a declining, uh, a declining uh, parish uh, church, what are the dangers? I mean, one of them, it sounds like role confusion. You know, that, that suddenly now you've got people not responsive to the leadership of the pastor. There's role confusion that comes in because the preservationist mentality begins to kill collaboration. Uh, what are some other dangers for a parish of this type? Well, it's dangerous for the pastor, I can tell you that, because it, uh, I can only speak from a pastor's point of view. I, it's been a long time since I've been a layperson, so 16 <laughs> years ago. But what it does to a pastor, and I can and I can speak for my brothers in this too, is is you you want to see change. Uh, you weren't trained for it. You don't know how to do it. You weren't trained to be a manager, um, and and the, you have good, well-intentioned people. But when, but when you do propose something, there's often a lot of pushback. And mm-hmm. you feel rejected. You want to be a father of, but you you become a father of, of kids who hate, who really begin to not listen to you. I don't know what that feels like. You guys might not know what that feels like as, as dads. <laughs> I do, teenagers. Yeah, te- it's like you. Yeah, Calvin kids are per- are perfect. They have. <laughs> I only have little angels, so. <laughs> yeah, the, eventually they'll be teenagers. Um, but you know what I mean. So we, I used to describe it. Uh, I was I. This year I spoke, to, or the last couple of years I've been speaking to the seminarians at Kenrick and I bring up this topic of the pastoral malaise. And, and that is like underneath maybe the exhaustion we experience or maybe some of our, our moral problems that we get into. Underneath that is really a desire to be father um, and a desire to, to lead and shepherd. Um, but you, you begin to be a preacher and a pastor for people who don't really need you. And, the, and all that does is we're like, well, I'll just, I don't know what to do with myself. Um, and, and it can really cause a lot of desolation. And again, it's, it's nobody's fault. There's oh, the other sign of a, a declining parish is a blame game. There's lots of blaming that goes on. Mm. Um, yeah, but, but I think it's, it's really damaging to a pastor's identity. That's why you want to get your identity from Jesus <laughs> and, and, and not from whether you're fruitful at this or not. So it seems like one of the dangers is it, it burns out our, our clergy seems to suck the life out of them. Yeah. You don't want to get here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're all here as so I'm here. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, I, I feel that every day yesterday I had that experience, you know, I, I, trying to change things for the good. Um, I have no other agenda except that uh, I want people to know Jesus Christ and I want to uh, use the, be a good steward of all the resources we have, but, but people reject it. And so I, I got this little hurt in my heart. I call it a lump in my heart. And, mm-hmm. uh, like, well, geez, you know, like, you know, and so what do I do? I just go back to prayer. Like, okay, Jesus. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So, and I think that's where I'm, I'm always grateful. I was visiting with Father Hazing the other day and uh, he, he was commenting to me that he was really appreciative when he was visiting a few of us priests here in Omaha um, from, from his, he works in the seminary and he was just back and he just said, you know, I really love the fact that I found you praying this morning. I, I love the fact that I see that you pray and, and I went and visited father Dan Andrews and I can see he's a praying priest. And, and he's like, that's so like, that's just gave me a lot of courage, a lot of hope. Um, and reminded me that that's where we find our consolation. That's where we find our identity and our mission. Um, not in a book, not in a podcast, <laughs> um, but, but really from Jesus Christ. So hmm. for, for whatever the, that 
is worth to anybody listening today. I don't know. Well, I think well, you, you hit on another one, right? Isn't one of the dangers is that we get so overwhelmed by the, the propping up of our institutions that we forget the one thing needful. We actually forget to pray. We actually forget to run to the Lord because we get so yeah, overwhelmed by all these tasks trying to keep the thing afloat. Speaking of keeping things afloat, Jim, as you just said there, you know, the, th- the three of Great us game. are entrenched in this type of work, right? Like we're entrenched in just acknowledging the reality and, and trying to help pastors and parishes take the appropriate next step to draw close to the Lord and, yeah. and have him reveal, okay, what are the steps that are needed in order that we might not be a declining perish, but um, thrive as he would want us to. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, acknowledging in the beginning, right, we are, we are part of the, the freshest and youngest institution that currently exists. And so um, what's beautiful about being able to just acknowledge that, like, we've been declining is that we can then ask the Lord to reveal to us, you know, how it is that he would want us to be revitalized. And so mm-hmm. I'll just hold up, you know, back to my example of the beginning of, of this pastor, you know, in imploring his, his parish council's members to think about what the current reality is. And then does that align with our mission? What a tremendous gift to them to be deeper, uh, you know, invited in a deeper way into the mission of the church. And, and what an incredible job on his part and shepherding his people to a deeper realization of the min- the, the mission that they're called to. And so mm-hmm. I would just say, you know, a declining parish, there is so much hope there. There's a tremendous amount amount of hope that um, through substantial prayer, uh, repentance, commitment to fasting, and then commitment to, okay, Lord, what is the next step that you want me to take with this individual or this individual or as a parish as a whole in order to become the um, the thriving parish that you're calling us to be? You know, mm-hmm. so, so we could talk about a declining parish, I, I would imagine, for several hours because Again, it's a common trend across the United States that this is where parishes are, not acknowledging that they are um, no longer making the disciples, um, you know, as Christ would probably call them to. Um, and so I, I guess I, I want to get into the swelling and growing. And then I, I think we can kind of dive into as a whole of, of how Christ wants to call us out of, you know, that dying, declining, swelling um, into the growing that he that he's calling us to. Yes, yeah, Kevin, talk about the swelling, because that to me, that's the most fun or interesting because you have to get a little bit beyond the superficials because for a swelling parish, the numbers don't look bad. The the graphs are not, are not problematic. So talk to us a little bit about how would you define a swelling parish? Yeah. So, so just at the basic level, it's just a swelling parish would be one that um, where there, there was a huge population growth. And because of that population growth, there is a surge of individuals that are looking to connect in community, you know, around a church. So um, at that point, there's, there's probably not enough parishes that are built, you know, to, um, you know, mm-hmm. to fit the amount of people. So one lucky parish, all of a sudden, you know, what seems to be over a couple of years, all of a sudden has 4,000 members. And so experiences like this, this surge and this growth. And so activity there can seem like vitality, right? Like excitement, any activity that's going on, because there seems to be a lot of people coming in out of the doors. Um, So again, what's, what's, what's nerve wracking for a swelling parish, though, is um, if you scratch below the surface, 
um, just because the offertory is up and because there is a lot of people coming in out of the doors, is there a real pointed, um, you know, a pointed direction for people to, to truly live as Christ's disciples, be Holy Spirit-led um, missionary disciples? And, um, uh, you know, is that the thing that's continually happening in our parish? Or are we just feeling the repercussions of, um, you know, a swelling that has taken place? Yeah, this is this is the suburban story, right? Where the real estate market or right the sprawl of a city, you know, flight flight out of urban areas uh causes a parish to look like it's growing, but it's is not just because there's bodies there doesn't mean disciples are being made, doesn't mean lives are being changed just because people are coming and going. Yeah, that, that would be exactly correct. And I, and, and I would just say, so if you look at the whole trends throughout our, our archdiocese, right, and just in the last 30 years, right, we went from 750,000 people up to 1.2 million. And in that time, we went from 18% of the population identifying as Catholic down to 9% of the population identifying as Catholic. So a significant decline in just the last eight, 30 years. But at that same time, people could say, oh, yeah, but, but look at this parish. This parish is really thriving. Or look at this parish. It's really thriving. and It's really growing. And, and you could usually just point to that parish and say, yeah, that's because it's in a, an area that has received a huge influx of people. So it's experiencing this swelling. Um, but if you were to look at us as a whole, right, this drastic, slow decline that is taking place mm -hmm. um, is sometimes we just use it as an, as an scapegoat. Um, to, to, to not have to acknowledge the decrease that is happening across the board. So, I mean, so I'm guessing one of the dangers of this parish is all sorts of activity, very busy, but this kind of sickening complacence where disciples aren't really being made. You know, people aren't experiencing grace and mercy. They're still living this kind of like quiet lives of desperation but everything seems to look good. So, I mean, the, the danger is like this complacency. I think complacency, and I think there could be a tendency towards, you know, uh, what would you would choose called like cheap grace or a complacent <laughs> presentation of the hmm. uh, of the gospel. You know, instead of actually asking people to commit to a full surrender of their lives to the gospel, you know, this might be a place where, yeah, we're just not going to mention the abortion thing, or we're really not going to mention the NF thing. It's like, you know, we're just going to kind of make sure that we we don't touch on any of those hot butt issues in order that, you know, as this is just growing, um, you know, people would still feel really welcome and a part of this. And instead of calling people to a deeper surrender and a, a deeper sense of holiness, um, I think there's a, there's a real danger there for that. I would say, because again, I survey all the parishes around here. So like when I think of those big parishes um, that have experienced a lot of swelling, because um, they're, they're in good neighborhoods, they have really good locations, they're on you know the corners of really busy intersections, they have really, really big schools where the schools are you know, they're top notch, they're sending kids to yeah, great academics. And yeah, like cute uniforms. There's no slouching going on at all. I so you you know it's easy to be cynical uh, about things, but but I would some days I, I can almost guarantee um, there's some people who are becoming saints there. Um, right. Right. Yeah. So I, I just uh, I mean I don't want to. I think that's what I used to do. I, I would just sort of like cynical, like you know nobody's growing, nobody's making disciples, and and then I, you know I'll, I just have to stick my head in the door a little bit longer and and see like okay, yeah yes they they have the advantage of being in some some really growing neighborhoods, 
Um, but also I see a lot of great things happening there too. So yeah, um, well, the, I mean, the pastoral opportunities are amazing because when people are there, when God's people gather together, the opportunity to form people, if you offer something, you'll probably get some people just because it's like, you know, it's like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, there actually, there are people gathered together. And so opportunities for formation to teach people to pray, to make disciples, there are people to work with. And just, just numerically, the likelihood that you can find someone who does desire to grow in their prayer, who is willing to step out and invite others to join them in that adventure you can do a lot of things at a swelling parish because you do have access to people because they're available and they're there. Yeah. And so I think maybe what, what Calvin, you were saying is like, if you're, if you're actually making some disciples, you're probably a growing church. Uh, You're saying like a swelling church is like doing nothing and just happens to be in a great location and has mass and offers really mediocre bland catholicism is that what yep, you're that, uh, yep that's what that is what i was saying i would say okay. you know i'm trying to paint the picture of just like you know the bleakest just so we can acknowledge like this is a reality in a lot of places and and a, a lot of times there is a temptation to just um to say oh that place is swelling or that place is really growing when, when in all actually actuality it is just swelling and experiencing the fruit of a of a population influx how how can you tell the difference like are we just a mediocre parish or like that has great location 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 um and you know a nice a nice uh facility that's easy easily accessible or are we making disciples like is is there a way to tell the difference like we have some really awesome parishes in, in in suburban areas and the question i would have is like, are they just swelling or are they actually knocking it out of the park? How can you, what's the difference? How, how, how what's, what's the measurable? That's great. I, I would say the currency that uh, we as Christians, you know, in this cosmic battle for souls that we acknowledge that we're a part of, it's, it's disciples, right? Like we, we gauge the success or the, the backtrack of the church um, on that of disciples. And, and so I would just say the, the key factor of that of a growing parish is when there's clarity and conviction about the formation um, of disciples. And so I would say mm-hmm. it, it holds up, you know, two things, right? That everyone in the parish or a vast majority of the parish understands that the mission of the parish is to form disciples of those both within the pews and outside of the pews. And I'd say if that is not, you know, a reality of, of the parish and the life of the parish, it would, it would be considered more of a swelling parish or potentially a declining parish, a, a growing parish. There is a, a palpable feel in its, in its witnessed in, in what is said and what is shared, communicated, um, mm. and in the ministries that are prioritized um, and, and what is, is really owned by the pastor and its parishioners. So, so number one, that every parish, uh, that everyone in the parish, you know, understands the mission of the parish um, is to form disciples both in the pews and outside. And then in the number two, there's clarity about how that parish goes about making disciples. You know, where in the parish are our disciples formed and how do they, and how does an individual play unique gift, uh, a unique role in using their gifts um, uh, to, to make disciples. So I would say, I, again, that's just so a quick like definition of a, a clear path of discipleship. 
I think that's certainly an aspect of it. Yes. And in a, a key aspect of it is that there would be clarity, right? Yeah. Like you said, like a clarity in how it is that we make disciples at a parish and, um, and that's understood by its members. Um, and people are working towards that again, just a quick, uh, definition of a growing, uh, um, parish, but I would say that helps, I guess, distinguish between like a swelling and, and what we would want to strive after, uh, as a growing parish. So you could say, a swelling parish welcomes people who come to them and a growing parish goes and gets them. I think that's a great way of saying it, GM or, or is in the pursuit. You know, I, I once heard a long while ago that like, if a shoe factory had all of the machines in place, you know, all of the best designers, all of the, you know, everything it needed to make shoes. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't make shoes, we would consider it a failure. And I would just say as parishes, well, you know, if we were to just say like, hey, what is the the end product that we would desire? It's like, it's to, to live and, and to raise up missionary disciples. And so we can have the best uh, facilities. We can have, you know, a huge population influx. We can have all of those things in place. But at the end of the day, if we're not laser sharp on saying that our end product is to make disciples and to live as disciples, then um, I think we missed the boat. I'll take that metaphor. If, if you walk in, and even if there's a whole lot of shoes around, if you notice that the machinery that makes shoes isn't running and is covered in dust, even though there's shoes around, if that factory has not made shoes in quite some time, it's still a failure, even though there's shoes around. That's right. I mean, that's what I, and I think that's the difference between a swelling parish. It's like, well, there's shoes around, um, but shoes aren't being made there. And growing parishes are, are intentionally making disciples. Are we going to have another podcast on how parishes make disciples? I think we should. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think... I, I uh, you know, this is only the se- second time, maybe the second time that you guys have invited me onto this parish uh, or to this podcast. So I, I would imagine you guys have already had lots of podcasts about uh, how parishes would go about doing that. Uh, but if not, then certainly in the future, uh, that would need to be, you know, in the forefront. Je- Father Jeff, you mentioned you had a question earlier, and and I just. Um, and I wanted to say, you, are you talking about the difference between a swelling and a growing parish? Um, and how would we know? And I think, great, we're, we're two diocesan employees and, uh, uh, you know, a, a priest who is, is trying to, to make it work at the moment. You know, from the outside looking in, you could always make observations of, oh, they're dying, they're declining, they're <laughs> yeah. swelling. You know, it's, it comes from stories and relationships and being able to dive in with that pastor or with those parish leaders and say, hey, what is the Holy Spirit stirring up here? How is the Holy Spirit at work? What's going on here? And being able to just have really honest conversations about that, um, you know, and if the language is continually going back to leaks, loans, locks, facilities, <laughs> bazaars, and isn't getting to the core of where we exist to live and, and make and thrive as missionary disciples, um, you know, th- those would be indicators to say like, okay, what is the Holy Spirit really stirring up here? And then, and then what would our what should our response be? And so I think it comes down to stories and it comes down to relationships for us to make a, I don't know, a sensible judgment of, okay, well, what's the, what's the Lord doing here and what would he desire? Okay. So let's get real practical as we close here. Some takeaways. If you find yourself in a dying parish, what's, what's one or two things that you can do? Not to try and save the institution, but to be faithful 
to to the grace that's offered. What's well, one or two things you can do? You're pointing at me. Yep. I, I was waiting for Calvin to have the final word. I wasn't listening. What just what'd you ask? <laughs> <laughs> if you're part of the I'm always ready to talk, but uh, they need real words of wisdom. I am the client here. I'm right. You guys serve me. You tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'm. I know. I used to work uh, in there in the chancery and had all the ans- had all the answers. That would be a sign of a declining diocese if you just sat back and expected <laughs> us to be able to give you all the answers, Mister. So, <laughs> well, I think honestly, like the if a next very practical step is obviously prayer and notice the stirring of your heart. When we look at numbers, I shared this with the seminarians that, uh, you know, how much do the numbers matter? Um, it just it really depends. But I, I just said, well, how do you feel about the declining numbers? If, you, if, you, if it breaks your heart, then, then the, the numbers matter. Hmm. Uh, so, um, you know, if, if your heart's kind of broken a little bit, if you find that coming out in prayer, if, if, if you kind of get frustrated with the leaks and locks and, and like just trying to keep the money coming in so you can keep your school going and, and you're sort of hoping your school does the trick at making disciples, but you're not real sure that it is. Um, then I think, you know, that all has to be uh, poured out in prayer. But then I think you find one or two, three, three people um, that share that same vision or even discontent about the the state of things and begin really start praying together. And, mm. and, th- and uh, so what I've been doing, I mean, I don't, I don't think, I don't know if I did it on purpose, but I just find myself gravitating to this strategy of just like, you know, to the end of the day, I'm Mm going to need some help. And even though my staff, which I have good staff, but um, I'm going to need to get some help from, from the people in the pews who have the same vision and and discontent and want, because in order things to change, I just, I just can't implement a program. Uh, I have to, I have to raise leaders that's the next step for me is just identifying those leaders, those who want to be trained, those who want to start some small groups on their own, live the lay apostolate, um, be the church, um, and then help others in the parish to do that as well. That's, I mean, that's my strategy and I'm Mm -hmm. sticking to it. Well, so I I hear you saying if you're part of a dying parish community or declining, you let yourself be sad, but you bring that to the Lord and then you gather disciples together. Right, you you begin to start again by gathering disciples together. What about a swelling? Right, I mean, somebody's like, a, you know, you're, if you're in a swelling parish and there's lots of activity and there's lots of people, but you're not making disciples. What do you do? One or two concrete takeaways. Well, it's likely if you're in a swelling parish, you you probably have some uh, a decent amount of staff, and so I might begin with what. Uh, Amazing Parish recommends is to begin really praying and, and, and vision casting with your staff on a regular basis. So I think when you're in a swelling parish and you need something new, you need to create a, a you need to cast a vision that brings in energy and you need to somehow renew that. I don't, I've never been in a swelling parish. I, can, I don't really, I'm just, I'm just regurgitating things I've read in a book. What about uh, growing, Calvin? Any, what do you, what do you do if you're in a growing parish here? Put your feet up. With Father Commentary on just <laughs> dying and declining, I think there is something to be said about um, 
you know, there's the analogy of like, just the burn the ships, you know, it's like, Hey, there's a, there's an opportunity here to say like, Hey, we have to move forward with a, a renewed sense of what it means to be church and, and what Christ wants to do here. And, and we're not going to look, <laughs> we're essentially not going to look back or give ourselves scapegoats to that. And so um, it's been really cool to watch, you know, numerous pastors throughout our archdiocese say like, okay, we need to rediscover what it means to, to not decline, to not settle on, on maintenance type, um, you know, methods and, and really burn the ships in a lot of ways and, and set ourselves moving forward. And, and so then doing that is kind of scary. So just like father Jeff said, like, I can't do that alone. I have to really commit to prayer and I have to really commit to learning. So I would just say, you know, prayer, uh, action and learning, you know, those three things are just going to be essential as, as we discover, you know, as you guys mentioned, not just here in the United States, but across the world and in so many places, um, you know, what it means to be revitalized again as a, uh, you know, a thriving community, you know, and I'd say with, when growing, uh, I think you do have opportunities. You joke, yeah, put your feet up and write a book. <laughs> you have an opportunity to maybe share and witness to, Hey, these are some things that have worked at our parish. These are some things that connect with this generation are these individuals. These are, these are ways that we've seen hearts transformed by the gospel. I think it would just be so important that those individuals learn to tell good stories and, and, and are proactive in sharing those stories. And, and then it wouldn't just hoard, you know, the good things that are happening. And it would be important for those who have maybe are experiencing a declining or a dying or a swelling parish that they would have an openness, you know, to new ideas and openness to collaborating and, you know, a a commitment to working with those, with those around them that are experiencing some, um, you know, some beautiful fruits um, in order that they might, you know, labor together. Father, Calvin, thanks for hanging out today. Thanks for the conversation. Uh, we're going to go ahead and post the four types of a parish article by our friend, Timmy Glenkowski. We'll post that in the show notes. If you want to get the show notes, go to EquipCast. You can find, uh, you can subscribe there. Uh, if you want to get the show notes, subscribe to the blog, uh, equip.archomaha.org. There you can find the show notes and everything else. Uh, gentlemen, thank you for being with us. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.